everyone, and welcome to The Rewatchman, where we don't review movies, we re-review them. We take a movie that you might have a strong opinion about one way or the other. We go back to it after years away to see how it holds up. Is it as good as you remember? Is it bad? Is it better, right? We don't know. That's what we're here to find out. And today, we are talking about a movie that people definitely have a strong opinion about and might be one of the biggest nerd rage movies of its era if not still to this day, 1989, directed by Tim Burton, starring Michael Keaton, Batman. I am joined by, oh, well, who am I? I am TC. I'm not joined by Ben today. Today, I'm joined once again, David Geiser from the Technophiles Podcast Network. Hello, David. TC DeWitt, thank you so much for having me back. I was so, I'm so, like, jazzed to talk about Batman that that wasn't a very strong opening for us. I think you're, like, just a little flustered because you got so many emotions going on. Yeah. I'm I, I luckily I played Danny Elfman's score through the all of this, and uh, which is great because <laughs> uh, he's suing us now. This is what <laughs> one of my one of my the very first note on my Batman notes is one of the all time greatest theme songs ever. Yep, yep. But but before we jump into the movie, David, thank you again for joining me on an episode of the show here. Um, my pleasure. I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed last week's episode. Quite nice. Yeah, um, which was King Kong. You can go back two episodes ago. It was actually King Kong training. Oh yeah, no, I was talking about King Kong. Ain't got nothing on me. Oh, 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 that's right. Thank you for listening. <laughs> um, so we we are talking about Batman '89, and uh, once again, you suggested this one. So, like I said a couple episodes ago, um, when I basically begged you if I could be on your show, you said <laughs> you said cool. Dave, to make me go away, you said, fine, let's do a few of these. And um, I'm joking, of course. Thank you so much for having me here. It's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. I enjoy this show. And um, you did kind of say, though, like, is there anything you might want to talk about? Or actually, I think you specifically said, do you have any favorite films? Yeah. And I thought about some favorites. And certainly, like I kind of showed a few weeks ago, King Kong is kind of a favorite for me, I have to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also just trying to think of sh- movies that might just be good for this kind of show. One of the things I like so much about the Rewatchmen is that it's not necessarily about just reviewing an old movie. It's about reviewing a movie in a new context, you know, and with things that have happened since. Exactly. Like, uh, that's that's something that Ben and I have been doing since the inception of the show, which was it's it's not just about going back and praising a movie you've loved. It's finding a movie you loved and reevaluating it. And so I, sub- I submitted a couple movies to you but then all of a sudden i realized i was like wait a minute the you know the original batman will say might be a perfect film to explore because there's so much context since then oh yeah i mean really if we wanted to watch the original theatrical batman it would have been the 60s and adam west but (laughs) we'll get to that (laughs) i know that's kind of why i hesitated but um what what some might call the original and and um um, so hopefully maybe we can talk about some of those other films I had on that list some other time. But this one I was excited to talk about because I have personally kind of had a complicated relationship with this film. As as have I. As, as I was watching this movie, Candace actually came into the room. I was about halfway through it, and she just said, I, I don't think she realized I was watching it for the show. I think she just thought sure. I was watching it. And she asked me, well, what do you think of this movie? And I was like, oh, that's... Mm-hmm. That's a long answer, because <laughs> yeah. when this first came out, I was what, eight years old. I didn't, I did not see this in theaters, so I didn't either. I was just on the knife's edge of being too young myself. I think I'm, a, yeah. I'm a year or two older than you, and I don't, I don't really feel like I actually saw this until high school, 
like much much after the fact but sure. but still being the the definitive batman because i do remember i specifically remember seeing batman and robin in theaters i remember yeah, I well. sitting in the front row next to tim nelson my first <laughs> batman on the big screen and as soon as those idiots put their heels together and ice skates popped out i <laughs> yep. realized for the first time in my life i was watching a bad movie <laughs> yeah so i was i still had a little bit of the batman forever goggles on when i watched batman and robin and and i was too young <laughs> to know that batman forever wasn't great either but yeah that was my first batman in the theater experience was forever and i was just so excited <laughs> that robin was in it that i just had like glossy goggles yeah. on i didn't really know what yeah, was going on that, that movie is so bad but it's it's just you know, that's the end of the line. The, the beginning yeah. of the line is Tim Burton's Batman. So when when did you finally see this movie? So I, so, you know, I, I just got done getting all excited about telling you that I didn't see it when it first came out, but I was hyper aware of it when it came out. I was, I had almost memorized all the commercials and I wasn't even a big Batman fan or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I was just... I was old enough to kind of know what Tim Burton meant and stuff like that. Like, he still had plenty more things to do, but I think yeah. I was mildly familiar with Beetlejuice. I think Beetlejuice preceded this, absolutely, right? Yes, uh, in terms of uh, Tim Burton's cinematic career, and we'll touch on this again as we d- dive further into to Batman, this was his third theatrical direction. Wow. He had, he had, his his uh, debut was Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yep. He followed that up with Beetlejuice, and then he did Batman. Then it was and, this. You know, it's it's hard to remember that Tim Burton wasn't a thing before, uh, before because like now he's such a thing. Yeah. I have something to say about that. Hopefully, maybe on the second latter half of this episode, I have some Tim Burton thoughts. And but I, what I do want to say another thing about if we rewind the clock and remove some context, this film absolutely came out before the superhero film existed. Absolutely came out before really tim burton existed you know what i mean like there's a yeah, lot of oh for sure oh sure we're and and, and talking specifically of uh batman 89 yeah this is this 89. is before before the the superhero movies are what they are this was before tim burton is what he is um there's like four in my opinion i think many would agree with me many nerds would agree with me that i think that there's kind of four pillars in the evolution of the superhero film and it starts with original batman or 89 batman then mm-hmm. it is Spider-Man 2, then it's Iron Man 1, and then it's Batman, uh, uh, second Batman, Dark Knight. Dark Knight. And then, you know, everything from there. But I think those are pillars in the evolution of the superhero film, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd, I'd say those are, are definitive benchmarks in the history of film. Because And then there's the, you can you can really sprinkle in the fact that the after Batman and Robin ruined superhero movies, it was mm-hmm. Blade was the first superhero movie that came out. and. Yeah. And, and it was basically not even marketed as a superhero movie. No, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, um, but let's so, let's... so anyway, so what I'm trying to get at, pardon me, what I'm trying to get at here is, so I do remember being hyper aware of the film. I remember mm-hmm. memorizing the commercials, and um, I remember my parents talking to other people about the film. I was maybe only eight or nine myself or whatever, and we mm-hmm. would be like at the beach, because it did come out during the summer, and um, I specifically remember a conversation where my mom uh, basically was saying, like, oh, what'd you blah, 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 friend do this weekend? And blah, 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 friend said, we went and saw Batman. And my well, mom we said something Batman like, oh, my yeah. mom said, what? Batman? You wanted to see Batman? They said, no, <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. It was so good. It was so 
dark and serious. And Jack Nicholson's performance was amazing. Jack Nicholson was terrifying, is what they said <laughs> about this film. Yeah. And I mean, that was just, I mean, when people were talking about The Dark Knight, it was like photocopied memories of what people were saying about this Batman, just mm-hmm. a, you know, a generation later or whatever. And I think that that friend in my story who was saying this to my mom, I think my friend or my mom's friend was not wrong in her assessment at that time. No, certainly. Like, I, I think this movie was considered to be kind of like a really scary, gritty kind of movie. It had all these weak, weird, like, what was scary about the Joker, to jump ahead a little bit, was that he was, bl- so he was definitely, like, insane. But I remember there was, like, I do recall, I'm saying like a lot, I apologize, I sound like a 15-year-old girl right now, but it's, <laughs> maybe it's because I'm getting all worked up here. But um, I do recall, without seeing the movie, that, like, it was, like, Jack Nicholson as the Joker, a, a critical benchmark a, a moment in cinema you know i do you remember I have those the, memories at all oh yeah I, I, even to this day there are people that still it essentially who's played batman and who's played joker is like how people feel about james bond everybody every <laughs> one of them is someone's favorite somehow yes every one of the batmans is someone's favorite batman some right. not even clooney likes clooney's batman but somehow <laughs> there are people out there that like george clooney's batman but in terms of of jack nicholson as the joker there's still the argument of is he the superior joker over heath ledger um over mark hamill right. like there's it just really depends on when you fell in love with the character and with i think you're right each movie um so to answer your question though when was the first time i saw it I mm-hmm. saw it. I snuck it in. It was like it had come out on. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this. It had come out on video. Yeah. And there was a local store in our area. It was called Shopco. I don't know if that's a regional thing or a national chain or what. But TC, you might remember the Shopco re- over there. I remember on Shopco. Yeah. Washington Road or whatever it was. We grew up in the same town. And my parents were shopping for something. And I snuck over to the electronics department and watched all of Batman standing what? in the aisle because they had it playing on the TV. Yeah. And I I kind of had this feeling like maybe I was a little too young to see it. Like maybe I wasn't supposed to see it. And I watched it in the aisles of Shopco, kind of hiding amongst the, mm-hmm. the, you know, the like the little end caps of these aisles. And I watched wow. the whole thing. That, and that's a two-hour movie. Your parents were shopping for a while. <laughs> they were definitely shopping for a while. And, um, and, and truth be told, I might have gotten in. 20 minutes and the film had already gotten kind of like I kind of I, I specifically remember um Vicky Vale was already in the plot at that point so maybe I came in a little later but anyway yeah yeah so that was my exposure to it and I thought it was the coolest damn thing in the world in that context I thought it was super awesome <laughs> then I watched it again when I was a teenager mm-hmm. and I thought it was super lame <laughs> Okay, I have a similar journey with this movie. I have not watched it since until we decided to do it for this show. Wow, I've seen a co- okay, so I saw you a couple had... clips. After film school, I went to film school down in Chicago. After film school, I saw a couple clips, and I mm-hmm. wasn't particularly impressed. Um, but I got to say, this time around, so I recommended this to you because I told you, I think I don't like this movie. Let's watch it. Right, <laughs> which is great. That's a great way to start. I think yeah. I should watch Batman. I don't think I like it. I don't That's think I perfect. like it. That's that's so exactly what the show's for. Pleasantly surprised and pleasantly into this film on this viewing, if I may, just to just to jump to the lead here. No, no, that's fine. That I come from a similar vein because I didn't see it when it first came out. I grew up on Adam West Batman. I would watch those reruns 
all the time. I my brother would run around with a Batman cape on. I would run around with a Superman cape on. Yep. And uh, so I had a, an affection for Batman. I loved the Batman the animated series, the Bruce Tim produced Fox yep. Kids Saturday morning cartoon. Um, and I used to have to sneak to watch it because my mom was so against the dark Batman. Well, there you Batman go. wears blue, not black. Yeah, well, right? she was like against she... all that black paper they drew on. <laughs> so I I liked the Batman the Animated Series quite a bit, which would not exist without Tim Burton's Batman. I agree. All, I think that Batman the Animated Series might be the definitive best version of Batman that's ever been put outside the comics and it's you can't have that without uh tim burton creating the 89 batman universe i mean i totally agree Um, about batman animated series so i had no love for tim burton's batman as 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 i was younger and when it when i finally did get around to seeing it i didn't get it i was like why do people like this it's not very good yeah and then then it just stood out like that was the definitive bat when when Christian Bale was cast when Heath Ledger was cast people were like outrageous this is this will not stand how dare you try to defile what Jack Nicholson and Tim Burton and Michael That's Keaton possible. did. And then I saw Batman Begins and Dark Knight and I'm that sad is Batman to me. Right. And I never thought that Batman eighty nine was better than those Nolan those the first two Nolans. This uh, one, th- this may not be to jump to the 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 lead again. This may not be better. I'm not sure, but it was a lot better than I remember. Yes, because so rewatching it now, I've seen this probably I don't know a handful of times maybe. Rewatching it now, yeah. I also was pleasantly surprised to 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 see that my critical eye for this, uh, reviewing it from a different perspective, specifically for this show, mm-hmm. this movie's good. This it's, movie had it has is well a, made. Yeah, it it has a style to it that I don't know if I seriously yeah. I, I remember like exactly it was at the hour mark the entire first hour it doesn't have a lot of Batman fights and it I know others have said this about this film but I agree completely it's absolutely filmed as a noir piece I don't think there's a single diffused key light in the entire first <laughs> yeah. hour like yeah. everything, it's all hard light from the sides. Everything is, it's really, I mean, I, you know, honestly, as a fan, just as a f- fan version, I'd love to watch this film in black and white sometime and see what it, how oh, it works. Oh, wow, yeah. Because the, it, the high that contrast, for, yeah. That There's a lot of, there's mystery in the beginning. The first hour, honestly, the first hour, I was like, oh, dang, this movie's good. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? This movie's fantastic. Like I do. And, and, you know, then kind of after the first hour, Batman starts fighting and I'll have, I have comments about that later on in this episode. Of course. Yeah. But the first hour I was shocked with how good it was. There were a couple things that stood out. Obviously, like I think when I saw it as a teenager and maybe teenagers optimistic, I might've s- seen it in my twenties, to be honest, when I kind of had a bad reaction to it. And I think at the time I was probably being a little unfair. I was turned off by the fact that, all the computer screens were 4-3, that people had actual paper books, that all the clothes were really baggy, that the hair, all you know, even Michael Keaton's hair was hairsprayed. I was really turned off by the aesthetic because it just reminded me of this time that was old and to me gross, right? Right, right. <laughs> and I think that's that's a little unfair, but it's something that did affect me when I was had a less less of a critical eye, I guess, right? I was actually mm-hmm. being more critical, ironically. Um <laughs> So watching it this time around, it's it's we're so past that now. We've we've had four, five, six films now where Batman has 
holograms and diggity dobs and boobity bops. And <laughs> and this felt classic. It felt beautiful. There's a strange I, I don't know if don't take this for for what it's traditionally meant for um, this term. But there's a timelessness to this movie. And even at the time it came out. To have these weird, like, 1930s-style gangster elements and noir elements mixed with a very 80s sensibility Mm -hmm. and mashed together in this world that is outside of time, that's something we don't get of Batman anymore because the Nolan Batmans are very, very rooted, especially Dark Knight specifically, is rooted in a post-9-11 America. Yeah, and And, and I think that's to their credit. Oh, oh, certainly. I... (laughs) Anyone who's listening to this show knows that Ben and I cannot stop blowing Christopher Nolan. So there's okay, that. Sounds good. Wait, you mean like, you mean, did I understand that correctly? All right, very good. I, I think you did. Um, All right, cool. But, there's uh, websites for that, TC. But anyway. <laughs> the Snyder movies, the Snyder Batman, um, it's just, well, I guess it's funny because he made such a definitive mark on Batman in Batman v Superman. It's often hard to f- forget, like, oh, yeah, it's only one movie. Yes, there's right. Justice League, but. There's a there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen, so I uh, I have I will have one confession that I didn't even bother with the, the this kind of Justice League arc. I have not seen those films. Yeah, yeah you're fine, you're fine. <laughs> but the the Snyder movies also are rooted in this very mm, pseudo now, right? But the '89 yeah. Batman exists out of time you're because right. it has the noir elements and the '80s elements. And you are right because we're so far removed from those generations now that what probably rubbed me the wrong way when I was a teenager or the 20s, such as you, doesn't bother me now. <clears throat> right. That's exactly what it was. In fact, um, another thing I noticed as I was watching, certainly the first hour, but most of the film, I was like, this film is on sticks the entire time. Like, there is not a lot of movement in the shots. There, As I kind of continued to watch, I saw there were a couple dollies and there were some, there were some that kind of moved dynamically. But for the most part, yeah. a lot of these setups are tripod shots and and that's kind of of the time that's what filmmaking was at that point and i think when i was younger it turned me off it felt dated and now it feels classic and i think there's something about that yeah i i i don't know it's 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 strange i've already mentioned that that tim burton only had two features before this he had Mm -hmm. peewee and then he had beetlejuice and then batman that's a weird director to to tap in to do this giant what would essentially be one of the biggest movies of all time. Right. Because what, what did he prove? He, it's just because he was a, a director with vision and it's this restrained vision compared to what we have from Tim Burton now. I mean, we don't uh, know this, but one could imagine that he might've had phenomenal storyboards for this film. And that might've like, yeah. helped. you know what I'm yeah, saying? That, that could do it. You walk into because a room and be like, I want to make this movie. <laughs> even though I just kind of made fun of like the camera, not moving that much because that's more how films were made back then. There are some bold shot compositions in this film, which was very nice to see. Yeah, I, there's some really, def, there's some choices in this movie that have defined Batman for, for to this day. That that the fact that we can that people will still compare the '89 Batman to the Batman that exists now yeah. is a credit to how influential this movie was on a generation of film watchers. Um, that it still is argued to be the best Batman. I honestly, if it's just in terms of, of Batman content, mm-hmm. this is one of the best. 
is this the best movie that has been created in the franchise? Absolutely not. And no. it can be an argument, and I know there are, there's a couple listeners who are definitely going <laughs> to give me give me hell for even saying it. But Dark Knight is the the finest crafted piece of cinema in the Batman universe. It's yeah, I think it ultimately overall is the most compelling. I agree completely. Just in in, in technical terms and and script terms and whatnot, it's that that is a, a definitive film. Not just a Batman mm-hmm. movie. This one, this one might be stronger. This one might be. This one might be stronger than Batman Begins. Not, not, not that we're going to rank all of them. I was mm-hmm. fine with Batman Begins, but this one might have a stronger, a clearer voice than Batman Begins had. Yeah, I, I, we'll get into some of the. There's certainly a handful of negative things I want to say about this movie, but something mm-hmm. about uh, the connection between this and Batman Begins was that I cannot tell you how many times I've had. I had to have the conversation with people that Batman Begins was not a prequel to this movie. I (laughs) cannot tell you. Yes, David, I cannot tell you how many times that people would like, oh, I thought Joker killed uh, Batman's parents. Who's this Joe Chill guy? Like, no, these movies are not connected. They do not exist in completely. The whole reason that movie was called (laughs) Begins was to exemplify that it was a reboot. No, no, but it's a prequel, right? Because prequels became a term, thanks. To, thank you, George Lucas, yeah. for making prequel right. a term um, mm-hmm. with the with the Star Wars movies that everyone just assumed. Like, Wait, this I'm was sorry. before the. <laughs> you didn't see Star Wars Begins? <laughs> uh, no, I seriously drove me up the wall. That, I thought some it, people call it Episode Seven. Ayo! All right, yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, so I can't tell you how many times I had to explain to people that Fair this enough. movie and, and Batman Begins are not Well, connected. let's do this. Even, I think at the time, I think when it came out, even as a child, I was able to collect that this was considered to be pretty hardcore stuff or serious stuff. And it was, it was, it was considered to be a fairly artistic film. Adults liked it. People thought that it was scary and, and gritty and all those kinds of things, perhaps even on the edge of not being a kid's film. That's the oh. thing I remember hearing the most when I was a kid is the adults would say, I don't even think it's a kid's film. It's terrifying. You know, Jack Nicholson's portrayal <laughs> yeah. is terrifying, blah, 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 blah. Well, but, uh, before this, it was, it was Adam West cartoon, super friends, Batman. Right. Batman was, and, and that's, that is the reason the eighties, revitalized Batman because Batman and and this is a de- this is because of the comics code authority in terms of what was being printed this was a, because of the the marketability of flashy toy commercials that were the super friends uh, Adam West's super campy uh, Batman TV series Batman was the red blue yellow green bright and flashy wham pow yep. cheesy cheesy Batman and then in the comics, you had the Dark Knight uh, Strike, uh, Dark Knight Returns. You had Batman Year One, both by Frank Miller, uh, The Watchmen. Uh, were those happening in the eighties? Yeah, I guess maybe yeah, they yeah. were. The yeah. the uh, the Dennis O'Neill stuff that was being printed in Batman was trying to reclaim Batman to his dark roots, and then Batman eighty nine came out and forever changed Batman. It w- you would be it would be hard yeah. to find someone of a younger generation now to even think of Batman in terms of the Adam West stuff, right? Yeah, like the older generation, it's super easy for to, to point at, I'd say uh, maybe late millennials and older, they know who Adam West was. That is the that is the definitive cultural Batman. Um, and then the post, uh, you know, later millennials till now, it's the dark, gritty Batman. 
Um, so just... I remember when I saw this in my 20s thinking that it wasn't very gritty, that it was a little too fluffy and silly and all that kind of stuff. But in my viewing this time around, it was a lot more, it was a lot, it was much grittier than I recall. Maybe at times not totally aesthetically, but like, I don't, th- I don't know if this is a film for kids at all. There's, there's, I mean, there isn't blood and guts per se, but there are definitely horrific elements to it. It's certainly like when the guy, like this movie's equivalent of the disappearing pencil is the hand zapper. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, It's funny. I, I made a note here that like, did uh, did Christopher Nolan just remake everything that, um, <laughs> that uh, Tim Burton did? <laughs> There are some similarities. So, so anyway, um, so let's talk about this a little bit, if I, if I may. I know you're hosting, but I apologize. I just had a thought. No, 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 no. fire away. One of the one of the reasons I did want to talk about this film is because of all of this new context. So, let's discuss someone who I didn't even know who he was back when I saw this film, but now obviously is is a, a pretty important figure. Uh, the guy who plays Batman, I just forgot his name. Michael, Michael Keaton. Because <laughs> you know what I was thinking is, I wanted to say the Vulture. That's what I wanted to say. Right, right. <laughs> Michael Keaton. Man, I set him up and then I forgot his name. So Michael Keaton, Birdman was a play on him playing Batman. Vulture was loosely a play on him playing Birdman. Mm-hmm. We we know we know a certain kind of Michael Keaton in this day and age. A Michael Keaton that I personally enjoy very much. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see him still kind of be a badass in this movie. Gosh, what it's 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 legendarily known that he was this really odd choice to play Batman. Uh, right. He, to to think of this comedian, Mr. Mom is going to play Batman. That's right. ridiculous. You think people freak out about casting now? It has not changed. We just have more access to uh, the virtual world of getting getting our complaints out there. The yep. complaining of Ben Affleck, uh, the complaining of of uh, Daniel Craig as Bond. Everyone who has a any pop cultural icon that's cast, people are going to flip their shit about it. <laughs> I was so pleased with how cool he was, and that's not. I'm not just throwing that word away. Like, there's two scenes in particular. There's a scene where he kind of casually sneaks up on Vicky Vale and the other reporter when they're critiquing the statues, mm-hmm. and he's just like, yes. "Oh, well, I bought that in Japan." He has an intensity in his face that was wonderful to see. He wasn't phoning it in. He was right there. There was stuff going on behind his eyes. And then, in my opinion, that's par- or that's also shown in a scene where, um, what was it? Oh, the apartment scene. The apartment scene where the Joker comes, where, you, you know. want to get uh, nuts? He's, Let's yeah, get nuts. get nuts. So even before he says, want to get nuts, and he gets up close to, to Jack Nicholson, or even Jack in the movie, he gets, yeah. like. I know who you are, Jack. <laughs> almost more badass as Bruce Wayne than he is as Batman in this movie. I'm serious about that. He's more, he's, there's a more, there's an intensity. There's something, he's more interesting. Mm -hmm, Um, He's mm -hmm. not a nerd as Bruce Wayne in this movie. There's, there is, and this comes from, it's retrospect, right? We can see what Keaton is capable now, like capable of now, that we can look back at this much younger performance of him and see his ability. Right? I think I would this... not have noticed those subtleties then. Seeing the larger versions now, seeing those subtleties now is, is nice. Yeah, it's something I noticed as well in watching this, that Michael Keaton truly is a a really, he's a complex actor. He brings a lot to mm-hmm. that role that I don't feel I ever noticed before until this current rewatch of it because of Birdman, because of Vulture, right. because of even Spotlight and this, this Keaton-assance that he's going through. I agree. I agree. It is, it is, you know, and that's, that's what's so fun about this show. So... Finally, what I will say, too, I was noticing something else about his portrayal of Batman. For a while there, 
maybe for the first hour and a half, this is about a two-hour movie, for the first hour and a half or so, I was starting to think, this guy's nerdier as Batman than he is as Bruce Wayne. And what I mean by that is, like, he kind of just stood there as Batman. He kind of would say some things. Mm-hmm. But there was a moment when he when he basically saves Vicky Vale and he's bringing her back to the Bat Cave. He's saved her from the Joker. Maybe it's an hour ten in. He keeps giving her these sideways glances, and he's like, or the whole time he's saving her, he's not charming or <laughs> clever. He's even a little bit rude, and he has this stiffness to him. Obviously, some of that's coming from the cowl, but there, there's also an emotional stiffness that I was thinking, like, oh wait a second, he's he's the nerd. But then anyway, if I may make my point, he he keeps giving her these sideways glances in the car. She's looking at him. She's looking at him. And I'm like, oh, he's so uncomfortable right now. This is fascinating. I'm so happy to see an uncomfortable Batman um, mm-hmm. in his eyes. And it was really exciting to see. And then finally, I, it clicked for me. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. He's not uncomfortable. He's afraid she's going to see th- through it. She's going to recognize yeah. him or something. Like, that's what was going on. And I loved that. Yeah, it's a it. He seemed like such an odd choice at the time. At the time, but now he's the he feels like the perfect choice for it. And I guess what I'm saying too is like in that scene, I could see Bruce behind Batman, and all we get are black painted eyes and a mouth, and I'm still seeing it through Keaton, and I was so pleased. Yeah, it's it's something that I never gave him credit for until this viewing of it that he really does bring a lot to this role. Um, and mm-hmm. and it's and it's an it's nice to see this version of Bruce as well, because we get to see a Bruce Wayne legitimately dating, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, and it's because it, we've seen uh, if you go to um, Christian Bale, obviously he has he has an affection and, a, and an infatuation with Rachel, yeah. But when we see him dating, he's out playing the part of Bruce Wayne, the playing the part nice, thing, right? Yeah, it was nice to see this version of Bruce actually doing his thing like he he wooed this girl that he was interested in yeah i do feel like his fame is kind of downplayed in this film in comparison to the dark knight trilogy like his oh like, right like maybe people didn't they even know what he looks a little like bit. yeah people didn't even know he's just like a famous guy or not a famous yeah, guy yeah. he's just a rich guy who mm-hmm. would probably invest people know his name more by the grants they receive than what he really looks like and i was fine with that i love that in the dinner scene he didn't really like he is a bit of a nerd like i don't know he didn't really know how to have dinner with her but then he was smooth enough to realize let's get off of this table you know like you know all these things i don't know i enjoyed it i enjoyed it very much it was nice to see that this version of bruce it's a a version we have not seen since um there's i I didn't mind Kristen bale as bruce but basically he just kind of folds his arms and looks upset a lot in in the dark knight trilogy when he's bruce in my opinion i mean there there's he still brings complexity but i honestly i think there's more of a there's it's they're just such dynamically different versions of the character because christian bale's exploration of bruce wayne is the movie that's the trilogy the trilogy is the exploration of bruce wayne who happens to wear a batman costume yeah that's fair that's true Uh, whereas keaton is is this uh, it's is this much different Bruce uh, to talk about Kim Basinger? We'll we'll sure. get to Jack Nicholson. We will get there. Yep. But to talk about her, um, she okay. This this challenge me on this, please. Okay. Of the Batman, above the Batman franchise we've seen, I think she might be the best love interest Female? that we've ever seen. Love interest. Now, I know yeah, I... Michelle Pfeiffer would count as a better. We, I mean, like hell, Ben. ben Ben and I did a rewatchment for Batman Returns years a couple of years ago, so you can mm-hmm. I I might not even recall how I reviewed that, but I did not hear that episode. But <clears throat> Batman Returns is Tim Burton's. He's 
been clear about this is his reason for never wanting to do a sequel again. Yeah, it's uh, we were not kind in our review or in our re-review of Batman mm-hmm. Returns. But that being said, I think Kim Basinger is given a lot to do. I, I, there's two points to this. I think she's given a lot to do in that she's an interesting character. They give her uh, some pretty good agency. However, they still say, he still tells her, hey, you're a great girl. Now sit down and shut up. Like, I need to tell you something. There's still a lot of... Sign the of the ma- times a little yeah, bit. It's that, I don't know. Yeah, certainly that 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 male male perspective is is being projected upon. You know, funnily enough, it's another blonde in a white dress in trouble. We did King Kong with you. I did King Kong with you two weeks ago. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but I don't. I I don't. I'm not saying that Vicky Vale is a strong character per se. Yeah. But I think in terms of all the females we've seen, Catwoman aside, yeah, she might have the most to her i don't know so i was let me offer this as a as a, a parallel i'm not sure or just a, an alt, uh, an adjacent thought i was reading I, I, as i said two weeks ago i do this zelda podcast these days and i was reading an article about female characters in zelda games and uh this one article was exploring some of the female characters and it was saying that in video games all too often um it was suggesting that basically female roles are often portrayed either as the madonna or the whore and it's like one extreme or the other you know like the this 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 angelic creature or this sassy whatever mm-hmm. and um i think and that with it and well if i may offer that idea to kim basinger i think that she was able to be neither of those i think she was able to be a character in the middle she had control um right from the very get-go um but she was sexy but she was but she could also she there were times she did need to be saved. Maybe she couldn't physically punch the Joker in the face, but but right. if she needed to, she probably could. You see, where I'm going with this. Like, I think she, she did a wonderful portrayal of of a oh cliche character. If I'm being honest, yeah. like, she because I think about just, it, she's yeah. she's a reporter trying to figure out the superhero. That's Lois Lane. That's uh, Iris from the Flash. It's this very mm-hmm. uh, standard female role in these types of movies, but. I think she did fine, and and actually, this was the first time I I liked her. I liked Vicky, maybe because I was watching this more critically than I've ever watched yeah. it before. The only time she kind of devolved a little bit was towards that end, that final scene where, and that final scene is kind of the most boring part of the movie for me when they're climbing the towers, and she's she really kind of does become the princess in the tower at that point. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> literally, that's the, she literally does, and that's the script's fault. I don't think that that's the performance's fault. Yeah, her performance. Um, like, okay, wait, 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 here we go. Wait, 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 about Kim Basinger. So a wonderful example is like when he, when Bruce is for all, you know, for it's hard to talk about this, but like when he's kind of, tr- when he doesn't, with all of his macho-ness or nerdiness or whatever he has, when he's trying to tell her that he's Batman, yeah, that yeah. is an interesting scene. I So I actually think that that apartment scene might be my favorite scene in the entire film, the entire <laughs> scene. I think it's lit the weirdest as a side note, because we still have a little bit of noir, but we finally are getting like fills and key lights. And, and there's even mm-hmm. romance um, backlighting on like her hair and stuff. So when he goes into the apartment, the film is lit completely differently. And that's a little odd. So aesthetically, that scene was was a little jarring for me to see again. It felt like actors on a set a little too much because all of a sudden yeah. all the lights got turned on. But if I may, um, <laughs> when she's sitting there saying like it's okay, I can. And when she doesn't, when he's trying to say like you know how a man gets your guy gets coffee and his wife gets, and she's like no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the doorbell rings and she's so she's so polite to just say like I'll be right back. I'll get the door. Right. She's yeah. trying to support him. He is struggling. 
Um, she's in control there, in my opinion. It was I thought that was great. And then, you know, when when the fisticuffs come out, maybe she's a little less in control, whether that's the script's fault or her fault or not. But still, I enjoyed that scene very much. So, um, yeah, there, I totally agree. I, it's funny to pick that as the. That might be the best scene in the movie, but you're there's a lot. I don't, of I don't there. know. For me, for me, it was my favorite. It's my favorite part of Keaton's performance. It was part of my favorite part of him. It's my least favorite lighting. Um, <laughs> it, it might, you know, even for the Joker, it was just so nice. Also in that scene, if I made Jack Nicholson and we're about to talk to, about him, maybe we can segue. But in that scene, Jack Nicholson does show some weakness in a, in a very interesting, cool way. Um, Bruce does get up in his face and, and, and Jack, the Joker allows him to just a little bit and isn't quite sure where that character is, where, where Bruce is going to go with this and allows him to talk, but you can see it in his face where he's a little, not sure. He can tell that Bruce is going somewhere with his weird little monologue. He's trying to figure out where he's going, but he's, he's not a insane serial killer in that moment. And so I think all three of those characters are very interesting in that scene. Yeah. You're, you you're right on. I think you're right on. And actually, let's let's dive into Jack Nicholson here because, mm-hmm. man, he is having fun. He is having yep. so much fun in this performance. I don't I don't know how they convince. He's top build, so maybe that was part of it. I don't know how expensive he was to get. He was a bigger star but, than Keaton, certainly at this oh, point. Oh, certainly. I, it's funny because there's a tradition of superhero movies of the the villain being the bigger star than the <laughs> hero and getting top bill and Gene Hackman has top billing over Christopher Reeve, oh, wow. the original Superman. Um, but he is, I this might, I think I liked him the most I've ever liked him before. And part of that plays into the fact that it just, in this review, <clears throat> this rewatch, I realized just how much of Mark Hamill's Joker is built upon what Jack Nicholson did. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, I mean, Mark does a fantastic job. Mark, like I know him personally. Um, <laughs> But uh, he does a fantastic job, but it's clearly off of a branch off of that tree. Mm-hmm. And Nicholson's just having a freaking ball. And and uh, oddly enough, I think he's taking it very, very seriously. He's not. I'm so happy you said that because I was just about I was just about to say I was about to make a joke. I was going to say he's chewing scenery and he's supposed to. But I held back because he's not chewing scenery. The very, you know, where that saying comes from is when you literally are breaking, you're breaking the film, you're breaking the set, you're chewing scenery, you're taking, you're breaking that line, you're making it too big. He never lives outside of this film, but he is inside that universe. He's chewing scenery in that world, perhaps, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. like he's supposed to in that way, but he never breaks. He never comes out of the film. He's never winking at the camera. No, not at all. He's completely committed to to the performance in the world. You you said it exactly right. Um, to com- to compare uh, Jack Nicholson to Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Fever, Tommy yep. Lee Jones spends that entire movie as Two Face, trying to outdo Jim Carrey, and Jim Carrey is trying to outdo himself, and yep. it's this ridiculous. That is that is scene chewing, right? That is scenery yep. chewing. That is, and it's. And it's distracting and it's stupid. And Nicholson's Joker, and again, this this plays into the going back and and seeing things I never saw before. Mm-hmm. Nicholson is a pro. This guy, for for as much of a, a jerk as he might be in real life, I don't know. Right. Yeah. He, he brings nuances to even his most outlandish outlandish performances. Outlandish performances. Yeah, I said that right. Uh, and this is no exception. He is. He is giving this 110%. Mm-hmm. 
And it's amazing. To, and to in my watch. opinion, in my opinion, in all the right ways. Um, yeah, I think it, I think from a script and even a performance, I still felt that Heath Ledger's Joker was more compelling for other reasons. But in this film, in this universe, Jack Nicholson is doing a fantastic job. Yeah, it, it honestly, it's becoming harder and harder for me to compare this '89 Batman to the Dark Knight. Though well, they totally are different universes, they're different stylistic yeah. universes uh, from two very stylistically different directors. That's true. Um, and the the poignancy of the Dark Knight versus the effect that Batman eighty nine has they're ve- they are so they and they grow the gul- the the gap between the two yep. grows more so every year. Here's a perfect example. Um, in the Dark Knight, and I approve of everything I'm about to say right now. I liked both of these things, but while I was watching this film, I kept sometimes my logic critic brain would come in and say well where did the joker really get that purple suit or where did he really get that purple car um but that's part of what this universe is in to contrast Mm -hmm. that to the dark knight where they literally have a scene where two cops say it's custom made clothing now it fits it feeds the narrative because it makes more mystery for the joker they act they do keep so the dark knight's a little bit more in a real world scenario as we've already said they are Mm -hmm. explaining why he has weird clothes there to some degree this movie doesn't even try to do that, and that's okay in this film for me. Yeah, this it it's it really is becoming harder. I know, like people want pick pick one over the other, but mm-hmm. I, honestly, by looking at what is being presented in eighty in this eighty nine Batman, it's just becoming too hard to compare it to what the Dark Knight is, or even compare it to what uh, Snyder is doing with Batman now. Uh, I, Tim Tim Burton has this really interesting sense of humor uh that this movie is dark but there's also this odd this very twisted comedic element to it yeah and it does feed into the joker's psyche very well in this film yes like like tim burton's strengths feed into the joker's insanity very well even aesthetically yeah and it's not just in the joker himself which is is where all the dark comedic elements come from if yeah. you look at something like when Bruce is introduced into the movie, he's got uh, he has the pen and he doesn't know where to put it, so he sticks it in the flower, yeah. and then Alfred swoops up and picks the flower. And in yeah. this continuous shot, he he grabs the wine and he drinks the champagne or whatever, and then he sets it down, and Alfred comes and swoops and grabs it. That's very silly, but mm-hmm. it's not it's not wackety schmackety like whoa look at this humor. It's very quirky it's odd and it's okay so here's an example of whoa look at this humor um at the end of the apartment scene when the little hand pops up with the thing or when the joker literally literally spits chatter teeth out of his mouth at the end of the film that's very whoopity whoopity wonk wonk humor but like in the joker's insanity i don't know there's a version of that where you're like yeah i believe that that character would do a stupid thing like that i actually have a note of that specific moment that is the best that prosthetic looks in the entire film when he has the blood on it, yeah. When he spits the teeth out, and his mouth is just gush, has the like the dripping of blood, mm-hmm. which that that gag works because it works to Joker because he's been we see him play with cards when we're introduced to Jack Napier, but he's done all these stupid Jokery things through this whole movie yep. that when he spits the teeth out, it's it is a little bit of wacky wackiness, but it completely works within the context of the character. Uh, yep. But that prosthetic, I've never noticed just how. That prosthetic's bad. It's pretty I mean, intense. It, it, it's iconic, but it's it's at the level of the Planet of the Apes monkey ma- masks in that Maybe. 
I can see his lips moving behind the prosthetic. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah, you can definitely see the softness of his lips and then the, yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I agree. I wasn't as turned off by it, perhaps, as you are expressing right now, but I agree I noticed that. For me, I was writing it off as just like bad. I guess I guess this on this rewatch, I never realized how far up that technical smile line went. It comes off his nose and goes away to his cheek. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, it didn't bother me but you can definitely see his upper lip flexing underneath that it's Mm -hmm. true it's not it's not to the point where i'm completely like writing off the movie as this is stupid it's just something that i really noticed this time where i was like wow you can really see his mouth moving behind that prosthetic yeah um and they do a good enough job with the seams and stuff like the cheek seams are all fine like you don't see it doesn't look like the bottom of his face is face is plastic um that uh it it's for the time, I mean, let's talk about the the visual effects in this movie because there's a sure. lot of there's there's a little bit of animation. Of, yeah, I mean, the first time you see Batman, it's Batman, it's, it's an animation. Batman Shadow. <laughs> I did not remember that. I didn't um, either. But there's something. It's okay. This is the effect of shooting on backlots and sound stages that this movie feels quite small compared yeah. to movies nowadays. Yeah, there there are some. There's the parade scene, and there's a you know there's dozens and dozens of extras running around, but this movie feels very small. So the biggest camera move we get might be like a big old crane shot in the parade scene. Maybe there's a couple crane shots that come down over a crowd in front of the mayor's office in the beginning, but mm-hmm. we do not yet have the camera flying through Gotham like we get in Batman Forever. And I'm not. I think it's too bad that this movie feels small. I agree. But I'm not saying that I need the camera to fly through the city. But I think this no. is a, it's a sign of the times technologically. There's barely any CG in this thing at all. There's some composites. There's definitely some composites. Um, my, but favorite, even the, my favorite yeah. bad, bad effect shot is uh, I pointed out Candace was in the room just in time. Like, oh, watch this. This is my favorite bad effect shot. And it's when the Batwing is coming to fly into Gotham. There's this moment where it clearly looks like it's attached to a string and they just kind of threw it at the camera. <laughs> It, right, it happened perfect. I was like, "Right here it is," <laughs> and you can see yep. it has like a wobble. It's like, okay, that's clearly a model. It being was drunk. kind of funny to see real glass around Batman on in his ship for the close-ups because these yeah, days it's yeah, always yeah. CG'd in so that they yeah, can get the yeah. glares right. It like it looked <laughs> horrible, but it looked real. It was weird. I I want to know that. Uh, I want to know who who was responsible for um, it because it. Uh, it, it was there one sound effects package for gunfights and punch sound effects back in the 80s <laughs> or something? Because I swear to God, the bang, pew, 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 bang, pew, sounded like every cowboy western movie I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I agree. I want to know. <laughs> so, they were iconic. Somewhere... Well, let me let me ask this. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this then. And I don't know the answer just because you said that. Could mm-hmm. we? Could we imagine? I, you know, there's nothing to back this up, but like possibly is Burton so. At the time, we just got done saying, like, the camera can't move that much. We don't have these big swooping CG shots. We don't have mm-hmm. things. And I was, I wanted to speak to the fight scenes a little bit and how they're edited. Because mm-hmm. what we don't have back in the 80s is we don't have Hulk versus Hulkbuster cartoons catching elevators and, and running through cities, which is what we get these days with Avenger films. And I have no problem with that. I actually, honestly, to be honest, even though, let's just use Hulk versus Hulkbuster in Avengers 2 as an example... <laughs> You know, that's that's five minutes where it's basically just a cartoon with some people <laughs> added in. Um, maybe that's a little offensive. But to be honest, I think that action delivers more than a bunch of jump cuts because you can't really show 
all the punches and the you know like in the fight scenes you can't really the te- technology just wasn't there it looks there are times where it looks like a dude in a rubber suit in the wrong ways you know what i mean there's times where it does look yeah. odd um and and so with that said i would say that um you know what do you do how do you make a film more comic book like when you don't have the aesthetic tool set that filmmakers have these days um so what's the first thing you do well you go highly stylized so it's something like tim burton um you make it a little bit tweaked you tweak it off a little bit you make it a little timeless all that kind of stuff you make it a little goofy where how do you how do you heighten something when you can't show someone getting punched across a city you know what i mean (laughs) um and and i say that with a joke because i was i'm i was very bored by superman getting punched across a city that's super boring but at the same time it's it's complicated because these fight scenes were completely underwhelming for me if not boring um because it was all just quick, you know, close-ups of a punch and then a reaction. And then it was typical filmmaking back then. It was exactly how you're supposed to film stage combat when you're using mm-hmm. real people and you can't show digital doubles. We just talked about mm-hmm. this in King Kong two weeks ago. They finally had digital doubles and they could throw people against rocks and off of boats and stuff. So yeah. to go all the way full circle here, TC, oh, this is a bit of a, this was a bit of a jog here. But to go full <laughs> circle, what if the sound effects were purposely heightened and stock to bring some of that comic bookness into it it is the pow bang oh, you see okay. where i'm going with this yeah I, okay i could see that that being a, a, a an interest that would be an interesting choice the pow to bang kind of... like every, if every punch sounds like that's the biff that's the boom that's the mm-hmm. pop a little bit i mean uh, you might be onto something there because they're there this movie is not that far removed from adam west um, it's just grittier it's not it's just because uh, uh, Joker's hench people are essentially the black mask wearing. Yep. They might as well be holding bags that have dollar symbols on them. Yep. Yes, goons, it's true. right? And <clears throat> excuse me. Um, that the bat costume looks so good until he's moving. Yes, I agree. And I mean, that's just the materials they had back then. That's just the materials yeah, they had. I I wish I could go back in time and go. You need to make him able to move his neck. He has yeah. to be able to look around because it didn't, it wasn't until the Dark Knight that they finally figured that out, <laughs> right? Because yep. even and Batman begins it, they made it a, I love that they made it a story reason in the Dark Knight, so they were able to yeah, justify like, it or whatever. I just want to move my neck. I want to be able to turn left and right. <laughs> he 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 does just fine when he's standing there. It, I don't the, know. The, so the moment that struck me the most is when him and Vicky Vale are running. How, just yeah. how silly that costume when they're looks running in like, motion. An hour in when they're running away from the museum, perhaps, before the yeah, little exactly. gun thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. When he, he and her are running down the alley, and you just see how bulky and stiff everything from his shoulders up is, that I'm like, oh, man, it's too bad. Because no, mo- this costume yeah. looks so good. We are seeing that with this context, like, of now we, we're used to materials and... Half the time these days, people are wearing green dots and it's the stuff CGI'd on later. And that's, I actually, I think that might, like when they do that with Iron Man, I think usually that delivers. I honestly think that's not a bad choice. But oh, back no, then no, in the no. 80s, yeah. this is the first time people saw someone in a rubber suit. I mean, mm-hmm. generally speaking. And maybe it played okay back then. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It, you know what, you're, something to talk about like the, the, the pack. The package sound effects being uh, maybe a deliberate choice. Something that occurs in this movie that you you don't really get too much of anymore because it's outdated is the exposition through newspaper. 
right? Yes, yes. <laughs> now nowadays, you cut to a newscaster who who gives you some some narrative exposition information for the following set piece. Mm-hmm. But in this, there's at least three occasions of a newspaper getting set down. It's like, Joker tears across the country or <laughs> across <laughs> Gotham City. Don't use fa- <laughs> these products together. <laughs> it's true. And again, let's some, part of the timelessness, but we did have newspapers back then. Um, it was funny <laughs> to see his com- big computer set up to be a bunch of like CRTs, but that's perfect. I wasn't offended by that. It was fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, I was going to say, when you said newscasters, the newscasters in this film were used in a slightly more interesting way. There was a bit of a plot point there. Oh, yeah, that's right. They do still have, like, the... I love the when they can't wear makeup, so, they like, the the dude has, like, two pimples on his nose. It's yeah. so gross. <laughs> it is gross. But even the death of that one newscaster in, that one, in the other scene, like, that all fed... All, that all worked well for me. I mean, it was that was really an '80s moment though, where they had huge clothes, and the, you could feel pads. you could feel the time on that. They they were sitting real low <laughs> in those desks because that's before they made people sit on stools for newscast things and stuff. Right. Uh, gosh, actually, in mentioning the death, there's there's two elements of death I want to talk about. First of all, actually, no, three. I love I one. I love the uh, introduction of the of the opening of the film. You think you're about to see yeah. the killing of Bruce Bruce's parents, and it ends up being just some other family that gets mm-hmm. mugged. I really liked that. That was that was a really neat play on expectations, particularly for anyone who's a, a fan of right. Batman, sitting there and going, "Oh my god, I'm I'm going to see the origin of Batman." Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, this film is not an origin story at all. He has been Batman for a while. It might be the yeah. first, you know, he just fights the Joker, but it is not an origin film. Yeah, that something I forgot that, that they, for the first few seconds too. I forgot, and I was like, I was like, these people. I thought the Waynes were a little bit richer than this. And yeah, right? <laughs> about a minute in, I was like, oh wait, that's right. This isn't them. Uh, but speaking of origin, in that this is a is Joker's origin, obviously. But the the completely unnecessary dance with the devil in the pale moonlight that Jack Napier killed Bruce's parents, one hundred percent. I, there is no reason at all that needs to be there. I, I do not I think see that's any reason like, with it. That feels like a cliche of like like a like the third or fourth person who had to punch this script up thought that was a good idea to make some emotional thing that had to arc back around, and I think it yeah. was the wrong choice. Like we we need to have look, man. We need to have a reason why Batman wants to kill the joker there are plenty of reasons for that you don't need to crowbar this this weird backstory flashback in the middle of the movie like it's it's not even something that's established right. b- at the beginning of the movie it's something they toss in in that apartment scene of in all the places apartment scene, right? yeah and i completely i i remember that being there i know the line have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight like that whole thing but when i when i saw it in this context this time i'm like this does not need to be here at all it felt like it got tacked in yeah it's somewhere that, that, in the pre-production phase honestly yeah and now like, i, I think it was about... there i'm so sorry i think it was there oh, when so... they started to shoot if i had to guess but it feels yeah. like it got thrown into the script after the script was written uh, well there's one know. more element of death i want to talk about but you said you had a point first well, so let's let's get to yours so one of the things that people get really upset about is that the ben affleck batman kills people okay so this is literally the point of conversation i wanted to have <laughs> i am positive that when he goes and bombs that building, he kills everybody in that building. Candace watched that part with me as well. She's like, holy cow, she just, he just like blew those guys up. I'm like, yeah, nope. this has been a problem in the Batman universe since this movie. 89 Batman started a problem in the Batman mythos that has been a point of argument 
to this day, which is Batman killing people. Because Batman, whether he's directly responsible for... I, Affleck's the first Batman that straight up murders someone yeah. like on screen. With I know what you mean. Ba- with uh, Keaton's Batman blowing up those guys, we don't we don't get the full murder, right? It's heavily implied. It's we, we when oh, we see yeah. them, we see the bomb drop, cut to wide shot, building blows up, Boom. you put right, it together. Right. Yeah, but and, and Nolan's Batman surely, certainly has some uh, uh, deaths as well. But it's it's the Affleck killing, like just straight up murdering people. Yeah, that it's this escalation in cinema escalation in action movies and escalation of Batman. Where do you land? I don't know what sort of Batman fan you are. Okay. Where do you <laughs> land on Batman killing? I, well, okay. For before, before I touch on that, I will say that this film in the universe of this film, they never explicitly say that he doesn't kill people. He never mm-hmm. says like, I don't kill people or there's never a person. Who's like, there was Batman. He doesn't yeah. kill people. That never happens. They get they tease it a little bit in the beginning when he says, I'm not going to kill you. Just tell all your friends about me. But I think that's more of just a coincidence, honestly. Um, <laughs> my, So I have complicated emotions about Batman as a character, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm not opening a can of worms here. But what I'm going to say is a lot of times people say, I think Batman's the most interesting superhero because he doesn't have any superpowers and he has this interesting backstory and a lot of times if they're just comparing batman to superman they'll say superman's so boring because he's he can't be beaten i understand some of that i have almost always i'm just gonna say this and i think i have reasons and it's okay been incredibly bored by the batman character (laughs) i think he's a so I think I think he can be a captivating character. I think mm-hmm. all too often, and probably all too often of the times that I've been exposed to him, which admittedly is mostly filmic, not really reading many of the comics. I've right. read a few Batman comics here and there, but I don't know storyline arcs in the comics or anything like that. So most of the time I'm seeing him through film, maybe a little bit of television. And I think when he's portrayed poorly, it's a little bit of this Madonna or horror thing. He's like, it's like, uh, uh, he... He first of all, okay, so he doesn't have superpowers, but he has a magic wand. If you're not careful, he has a magic wand. The magic yep. wand is he's rich. So you you know, um um Mission Impossible 4 is a perfect example of this. Mission Mission Impossible 4, any spy movie, we always got the gadget for the gizmo that does the thing perfectly for exactly for the thing we need. Isn't that convenient that James Bond had the pen that blows up a thing or whatever? And right, one of the right. things that was really, really fun about Mission Impossible 4, and I think Brad Bird had a lot to do with this was that a lot of their gadgets don't do exactly what they want, or they're supposed to do one thing, but they try to make it do another thing. There is one moment in Mission Impossible 4 where they just conveniently have the perfect gadget for the perfect moment, and it's that gadget that, like, rewrites the number on the door to the hotel. Yeah, where they just put it up and it goes, shunk, shunk. It up and goes, it's like, wow, it's cool you had that magic. I mean, what is this is like Harry Potter right now. And so there's a there's a risk with Batman. If, mm-hmm. if, if he has... From a story point, from a storytelling point of view, if he has a magic wand, and every time he needs to have a gadget or a gizmo that is perfect for cutting the wires of the balloon, or perfect for dropping the bomb, or perfect for shooting holes through a building, or like in Batman Returns, perfect for breaking apart so he can go between two buildings for one spot, <laughs> there is like we lose we lose some drama there. Yeah, and and I think Batman often Batman the character often falls victim to that. It's a guy who's mad. Because his parents died, and it doesn't get more interesting than that, and he has a magic wand. So when handled poorly, he's an incredibly boring character, in my opinion. I, I, I this is a that is a completely valid opinion, and I 
I love Batman. I love. Yeah. I I think he's one of the greatest superheroes of all time, uh, mm-hmm. hands down. There's no argument there. But I think there's versions he, of his story where he can be. Sorry. But just just in terms of, uh, I mean, if if we went back however many centuries we wanted to go back, you'd have kids arguing about Thor versus Hercules, like who's the better, <laughs> right? Myth. I think now Batman exists in a modern mythology. Um, I did my senior paper on this in college, which was cool. uh, comic books as the modern mythology, and oh, it had certainly. a whole section, whole section on Batman. Uh, but the the varying degrees of Batman um, are are harmful in that yes, he is. There's a term, the Mary Sue term, which is basically you can't you can do no wrong and you can get out of any situation. Yes. Right, and that's what Batman is. It's like, well, uh, can Batman beat Superman? Well, if he has time to prepare, even if. In 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 that in a logical sense, if Batman had time to prepare, Superman should still be able to beat him because he could fly into space and laser his face off, right? Sure. Like, and now I'm not trying to say I want to see Batman and Superman fight because nope, I don't I think they should fight. However, to to speak of Batman's uh, myth, like the the what he is, his magic wand, his Mary Sueism or Marty Sue or whatever you want to yeah. call it, being detrimental, is you have something like The Dark Knight Rises, where Batman fights Bane. And he's just haymakering, wailing on him with punches, yeah. because you, if you step back into the mythology, you go, wait a minute, he's a ninja. He's trained with the League of Ninjas. He should be doing kicks and kick flips and <clears throat> sure. This is not not hashtag not my Batman. Like, I've I've heard people complain about that fight because they are putting into context everything that Batman is right. when you need to focus in on what this version of Batman is. And, yeah. and, and that goes, that plays into this, the, what I was saying earlier of it's becoming harder and harder to compare dark Knight to Batman 89. It's be, it's, it's becoming, or maybe it's just becoming easier for me to separate all these versions of Batman right. that, I mean, I can like one more than the other, but not necessarily need to put them head to head against each other. Even, I mean, on the Marvel side, <coughs> so sorry, pardon me. On the Marvel side, Iron Man is slowly flirting with this territory too. It's it's accidentally getting to the point where every time he needs to have the magic wand uh, <laughs> suit that now suit, can yeah, pull, yeah. now he's got a suit that comes out of his ring. Now he has a suit that comes out of his glasses. Now he has a suit that he can have <laughs> ten suits that fly towards him. Some of that drama is lost. Yeah, and, and honestly, like in Avengers Infinity War, it's almost looking like he's going to have that nanobot suit that's going to come out of his body. And it's like, I know that I was in the comics. I don't know if that's what they're doing or not. But at a certain point, you you lose some of that drama. So um, a, a, a Batman who is angry that he's alone mm-hmm. and has a magic wand is very boring to me. Did this Batman come close to that? The Michael Keaton's portrayal, not so much. I thought he was Correct. kind of interesting. Yes. yes. Um. When Batman was the most boring for me, especially and specifically in this film, is when he was Batman. Because then he did not... And only in this film, those the boring parts were not him as Batman as a character, but the execution of Batman. It was, I got the special toy for the special thing, for the yeah, special thing. Yeah, here's, and, here's, and this, start, here's this, here's this. I don't care about the battles. I don't care about the stakes. And that, so so that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly when to 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 strip Batman away to what I feel is the best version of him it's it is not the man who has the gadget for everything it's the man who works with what he's got it's the I we've we've yet to see a truly detective Batman there's a little bit yeah. of 
investigation and all versions oh not all versions of him but Nolan does it and even Keaton does it here a little bit yeah a little bit there's there's I I like seeing him sitting at his computer with his glasses on and being essentially an intellectual throughout the course of Batman 89. I like that. That's something that we don't get often enough from Batman because that's boring. People just want to see him in a fight with a character. Um, so It just seems like the reverse was true for the, in this film for me. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree that uh, what, what sells this version of the character is Keaton's portrayal to take it all the way back to the beginning of, of everything we've said. Um, honestly, the true successor of this film... Yeah. I, is, and maybe I guess I could rope uh, Batman Returns into it, but it's been a, a number of years since I've seen it since we did our rewatch. Specifically, I th- tonally, stylistically, the true successor of this film might be Gotham, the TV series. Which I've never seen, but perhaps. Uh, in, in effect, I've actually, I, I think the true successor of the Nolan Batman is also Gotham. I think mm-hmm. Gotham is perfectly in between. Burton's Batman and Nolan's Batman universe. Now Batman isn't okay. in right. Gotham. It's 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 Bruce Wayne as a kid, um, right. and he's not even the main character. It's about the the Gordon. GCPD and Gordon. Um, but stylistically and tonally, the yeah, there's a bit on, of this in that version on goofiness of Tim Burton's stuff and the more realistic of the Nolan stuff. Gotham is that right there in the middle. Um, I really recommend Gotham. I know that people wrote that show off pretty much immediately. Uh, but I did watch show... the pilot, and I was less than inspired, but 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 I'll hear David, you out. as I always say, never judge a show by its pilot. <laughs> I know, I try not pilot, to. <laughs> the pilot is often filmed six months before the rest yes, of the series. I know, I know. Uh, go back and give it a try, if because I feel like something a lot of series, whether it's TV or film series, need to do more of is learn your lesson. Don't double down. Right, and I think what what where Gotham's oh. strengths are, is that it figured out what worked, and what didn't. It learns as it goes along, to to craft a finer product. Okay. Whereas if you look at at Snyder's universe, as Warner Brothers has done, the 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 reactions that people have had had to Man of Steel was to double down. Oh, you didn't mm-hmm. like it. You didn't like Go- you didn't like Metropolis blowing up. We're opening up the movie with that happening again. Like yeah, sure. it's this it's this very it's this in, it's an inability to learn. I often say this on the Top Shelf podcast that Disney has their lessons learned films where they will see they will produce a film, they will release a film and they will learn from it whether that's good or bad, um, you can you can point to it, oh, they did this because of this. Because of that, right, right, right. Sometimes and, and for I good, think, sometimes for bad. Yeah, and I think we're, to, to, I'll bring this back to Burton, but with uh, with Gotham, Gotham is a show that figured itself out as it went along, and I think right. that a lot of a really good series do that. Burton, Here you Burton uh, what Warner Brothers did with, with uh, Tim Burton's universe, with the because technically the Schumacher universe is part of this. It's four, right. it's four movies. They learned the wrong lessons. <laughs> they did not learn any artistic or stylistic or tonal lessons. They learned money lessons, which, unfortunately, as I, I had to say this on the recent episode of Top Shelf as well, that's what movies are. As artistic <laughs> as you want them to be, as artistic as you demand them to be, when it comes down to it, it's about the money. They have and, to make money because people have to get paid to make them, which is fair. And 
and the and the Burton universe devolved into the Shoemaker universe, which devolved like into one, some of the worst superhero movies of that era. I agree. I think the Shoemaker universe was basically as the producers after Batman Returns they lost Burton. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, man, we had this like big artsy guy. Uh, 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 we need another artsy guy. And Schumacher was like, well, I have some style. And, like <laughs> that. and then they were like, Schumacher, go nuts. Go friggin' nuts. We want yeah. we want it to be artsy. And so he was like, OK, big statues, colors, nipples, like all of it. <laughs> like, let's do it. And That's I right. Don't, Everyone I don't seems think... to forget the bat nipples appeared in Batman forever. Not Absolutely. Just Batman and Robbie. You got to remember those bat nips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. But um. Um, so as far as this film as a film, I was yeah. very pleased with it. I, maybe bat, generally speaking, I was the most bored with the Batman fight scenes, and that might have been because of the way they were edited at the time, which is mm-hmm. really weird because I'm implying that the inverse of that is people getting punched through buildings, which I don't want either. No, it's I want not something the in the yet. middle. I want yeah. something in the middle. May, you know, like some of that. Okay, a good, a good example is like that Civil War fight in the second act in, in Captain America three. Where that you know that's a good balance of like crazy action, but we're keeping it close and it's and it kind of matters and it's fun and people are using powers mm-hmm. on powers and we're celebrating the powers. Okay, fine, but uh, I'll get away from that now. Um, for this film, I was pleasantly surprised with how well it was shot, how interestingly it was shot. Um, there's a lot of sh- literal camera angles that are very very interesting. There's plenty of camera angles that are just close-ups and medium shots with, you know, with the tight yeah, lens yeah. or whatever, but it's okay. It's okay. Um, I think the lighting was fairly aggressive it, not always successful, but pretty aggressive. And the, there weren't too many special effects. I think the tone, Tim Burton's tone recently, I'm a little, I'm a little on Burton. I'm a little oversaturated with Burton. I've been less inspired oh. by him in the last decade or two, but yeah, um, you're, you're not wrong. I think, Tim I, Burton... I think, I think that a lot of people feel that way, but that's okay. Um, but in this case, I think a fresh young Tim Burton, his style was applied very nicely. I think mm-hmm. it was um, analogous with the Joker's psyche. I think a lot of that worked for me. Yeah. It, uh, overall, I, there's there's this. Every time I watch this movie, I feel differently about it. I find something mm-hmm. new that I like or that I don't like. And and walking away from this time, I I found a lot that I. I genuinely liked. I don't know if maybe that's a reaction to not liking what they're doing with Batman currently in film. Well, and that's uh, part of the context could, of this, though. Yeah, it could. Like, it that's could part be of what, you know. to to go back and like ah, it was a simpler time. <laughs> a little bit. Um, and and there's there's little things that don't work. I don't. I know. I know that Prince is a legend, but these songs just no do didn't not. work for me. I I. Did they have these tracks laying around? They're like, "Hey, we can put Prince on here." No, I thought he wrote at least one of the songs for the movie. It was like there was a there was a music video and everything for it. I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember this. I know he's a legend. I'm not disparaging the man. He's an incredible uh, creator of of music, but these songs do not work in this movie. So it's like little things like that. I think Kim Basinger, though, I was crediting her as a very a good character. There's definitely the 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 male perspective projected on this damsel in this movie but um, isn't that but, often a that's often a burton problem yeah it's funnily enough we weren't getting full burton on this because if we yeah. were getting full burton she would have brunette. cleavage up to her neck <laughs> she would have been a brunette and super pale <laughs> yeah and with with a corset and cleavage yeah um so i i'm i'm glad we didn't get f- full burton because you never go full burton because to be honest <laughs> 
I don't particularly like Tim Burton as a as a filmmaker. Um, his pretty much after this point in time, so these are his first three movies I like, mm-hmm. and beyond that, I I just think he's this he's he shows no restraint. He had a couple that were all pretty. There he had a couple that were all right in my opinion. Certainly not great. Definitely not in my top ten best films. He had a couple yeah, that were all yeah. right, but he's he's devolved into he's almost a parody of himself by accident yes, at this point exactly but he made some really bold choice in this oh, actually a bold choice we didn't even discuss that i would i would love to have seen come to fruition was billy d williams playing harvey dent yeah, as yeah, a supporting character because the initial plan was to make him two-face sure and we we talked about this way back when on our batman returns podcast uh the character of max shrek which is played by christopher walken in Batman Returns was supposed to be Billy D. Williams was oh, really? supposed to be the district attorney masker, uh, uh, creating this, this, this fake mayor that he could control because right. even at the end of Batman Returns, Max Shrek's half of his face gets burned. Yes, I recall. And it was supposed to be Billy D. playing two face in the third movie, but obviously that didn't happen. Can you imagine Actually, you don't have to imagine. I can guarantee people would lose their freaking minds if Billy D. Williams, if a black man was cast as Two Face now, people got like out of their minds when Perry White was cast as Lawrence Fishburne. People get Maybe. so angry about this. Maybe it, you know that's so I, weird too. And, and certainly, this would be a conversation that Ben and I would definitely spend another hour talking about. And I know you have a schedule, so I won't have you do that. But <laughs> there is. It's it's interesting. We talked at the very beginning of this about how people react to casting, and to cast Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent was such a neat thing to to see Lando up there and and to 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 see a uh, an iconic character from the comics being portrayed differently on screen, and it's not a big deal. It's a it's a neat choice, yeah. um, but it's a it's a choice that people would flip their lid about now because so wait, why do you think? <laughs> Why do you think people would freak out now? I maybe I'm an optimist, but I feel like we we're, we're in a time where people are are way more into that kind of thing. Oh, Switch, switching up I, races and switching up sexes and all that kind of stuff. Look, let, let, let me let me let me use this as an example. So currently, the three biggest sci-fi franchises in the world are Star mm-hmm. Wars, Star Trek, and Doctor Who. You okay. don't get bigger than that. And, oh, and all three all, of those, they all have female leads right now. Are now female leads. Sure. And people in the trolls and the dregs of the internet cannot stand it. It's mm. it's if you just want to have no faith in humanity, read any comment section underneath a photo of the new doctor from Doctor Who. You see uh Jody Whitaker or yeah. the fact that Daniel Craig came out just just a day ago and said he thinks that the next James Bond should be a person of color or a woman. And now read that comment section. People Get nuts about that. I guess. I don't experience that as much, but I completely believe you. I, I completely it's a shame. believe you. I, it is yeah. it is a shame. And, no, I, maybe, and I know I don't know. Because I feel like oh, there's a lot of people that are like really excited about that kind of stuff too though. Oh, I'm I love that. I, I think that I, yeah. the only way to breathe new life into characters like this is to is to take them to a completely different different place. The question shouldn't be the the question should be who should be Batman, right? Mm-hmm. But often the question is, who's allowed to be Batman? Do you see the difference in that question? So sometimes Marvel gets around that by having literally a different human character 
you know, in the story, it'll be a different character will take the mantle, like Thor becoming right. a girl. Thor doesn't become a girl. It's like a girl takes on the grabs that hammer and so and so and and right. like like uh, Miles Morales, I think, being spider yep. taking the role Spider-Man. of Spider Man and stuff like that. That's how Marvel yeah. kind of handles it, so that people can ha- have their cake and eat it too, or be or or be mad and eat their crap as well. I don't know yeah. what the correct <laughs> expression is, but it's just it's just an unfortunate circumstance that that people can't accept. It's funny because you could point at me and say I'm a hypocrite because I hate what they've done with Superman in the Snyder movies. Oh, you're being a hypocrite. You're saying they shouldn't change Superman, but it's okay to change other characters. And yeah, I am saying that. I am literally saying that. You can't. There's some. There's some iconic portrayals that if you are going to change them, you better have a damn good reason, and there should be yeah. there should be support behind that reason. Um, but then there's other characters that are so stagnant. And they're just the same thing, and there's nothing interesting about them anymore. That it would change a character to see them portrayed as a black man, or well, it's you're, I, or I see a where woman. you're going with this, and I like it, and I, I do have to get going here in a bit. However, um, I, I do think, yeah, at this point, and I think you'd agree with me as I say this, you have to ask yourself what makes that character that character. What makes Superman mm-hmm. Superman? What makes Batman? Okay, so let's just this is an easy one and it's a little unfair but like what makes Batman Batman? Okay, Batman doesn't kill people. Batman's parents were killed. Batman is rich. Batman doesn't have superpowers and he has a lot of toys. Okay, fine. So we've got five things there or whatever. Yeah. What are what are all the things that don't matter? that any actor or storytelling moment, you know. So yeah. if people are upset about like if you say people shouldn't if you're disapp- you, I'm speaking to you right now, TC. If, pe- yeah, yeah. if people say to you hypothetically, you don't have the right to be upset about Superman's portrayal, blah blah blah, and this other thing. Well, what makes Superman Superman? Some of those things, I I I, I imagine, though I haven't seen uh, Justice League or Batman v Superman. I did see Man of Steel, and that's pretty much where I was out. But mm-hmm. um, you know, Batman killing people in even in this movie, but certainly in uh, Batman v Superman. Does that take away one of the five points of the character? It, it, I think it probably does. So I think that is the difference. Certainly, you can strip away. I, we've uh, Ben and I have talked about it before that Bruce Wayne. Um, why, why can't he be Asian? There's actually no reason he couldn't be an Asian American. There's nothing about him that inherently makes him a white male, uh, right. a white cis male, right? Um, so uh, you know, that's I guess that's a bigger conversation for a bigger time. Um, but it's just an interesting element that I wish. Uh, could have been explored. I would love to have seen Billy D. Williams continue to portray Harvey to portray Harvey Dent. I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna be a little. I'm gonna be sassy for a moment. I'm just saying it with a sense of humor. Ultimately, mm-hmm. did this movie make Batman not boring for me? I don't know if it did, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I did come out of this movie really enjoying it a lot more than I thought. I appreciated it as a film much more than I expected. The filmmaking, mm-hmm. the craft of it, I appreciated that significantly more than I expected. You, and would you I'm recommend this? Say, well, I'm happy to say I was very surprised by it. Would I recommend it to people casually just to watch? Maybe if they had already... No, I don't know. I was about to say maybe if they've already seen the Dark Knight trilogy, but I don't even think that matters. I don't... Okay, I think there's a lot of films in the world that I would say tell people, oh, you got to see blah, 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 before I'd say yeah. this, I will admit. Yeah, I, I I think in general that there this is not an essential film if you're just a casual movie watcher, but this is an essential film if you are, especially if you want to look at where cinema is now in terms of superhero movies. Sure, trace it back, trace it back to its roots, and this is one of those deep rooted films mm-hmm. that set a standard for not just superhero movies but for blockbusters. This was the first trailer 
that ever came out that people were buying tickets to a movie just to, to see, see the, the preview. You're absolutely that never right. happened before. That changed movies. This this movie might not be the best piece of work that you could ever watch. It certainly has its faults. It's, it doesn't fail though. Yeah. Uh, I think that in general that this is this is the one to watch. In fact, I'm going to message my nephew and ask him if he's seen it, recommend it to him, and get his opinion of it. <laughs> like I want to, I want to, I we we gotta go. I gotta go. But yeah, like yeah. I want to ask you maybe off camera some other day or maybe a follow up or something. Like I want to ask you what makes. Please don't answer this right now. What makes? Know. How do you make an interesting Batman? And I think there's a lot of versions of Batman out there that I'm not aware of that probably are very interesting. But my mm-hmm. exposure to him so far, he's been kind of boring. And I wonder what because all right, so like uh, Spider Man, he gets powers. What do you do with them? Okay, there's something interesting there that's been that's been used on a couple different characters. Batman or Superman, he might be technically boring, but if you do the fish out of water angle, then he becomes interesting again. Thor kind of falls into that realm a little bit. Um, what makes Batman, Batman, if Batman is analogous to Iron Man, like what makes Batman interesting? Do you think you could tell me real quick? <laughs> well, uh, no, I, actually, I'm going to throw that out to our listeners. Uh, and actually, well, I'm going to throw them to you as well. So That's anyone fine. listening, uh, I want, we'd love to hear your opinion about what we've just said about Batman. You can throw it yep. in the comment sections below if you're watching this or if you're listening to this on, uh, on the Facebook thread for Redacted Media, comment there. If you might be listening on iTunes, head on over to Redacted Media on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash LLC. Or what I want you to do, you fellow listeners, if you feel so brave as to initiate conversation, is tweet at David. David, what is your? how can Certainly. people get a hold of you? So what I will say is I genuinely enjoyed the Dark Knight trilogy. I'm very happy to report that I enjoyed this film this time around. And if you want to have a further conversation with me about what makes an interesting Batman for you, I want to know, because I think he can be an interesting character, and I'm sure he has been in other stories that I'm not aware of. You can tweet me at Raptor Paint on Twitter. That's also my handle on Instagram. We probably won't have a conversation there, but you're welcome to check that out. I have a <laughs> podcast about technology and science called Technophiles Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Technophiles Pod for that, or go to our website, technophilespodcast.com. And last but not least, I have just started creating a Zelda podcast with a good friend up in Milwaukee. And uh, that podcast is called Another Zelda Podcast, because there are about five or six or seven of them out there right now. But we really want to talk about (laughs) Zelda as well. So you can find us at anotherzeldapodcast.com. We're also on iTunes and Google Play for all of those shows. And that's that. I'd love to continue this conversation. Yeah, well, uh, so hit up David, and you can check out all the Redacted Media stuff on Facebook. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at TC's Big Head. And please support Ben and the band with no name. Uh, film company over on Facebook and YouTube. You can follow Ben at Benji Toes, Twitter and Instagram. David, thank you for coming and doing this again. Oh, it's a blast. For you. Please have me back anytime. I love it. Yeah. You get a couple more episodes and I got to draw a cartoon version of you. <laughs> well, now I, that, well, that's now my goal. <laughs> I you're, must have you're behind, that. You're behind the list because there's two other people I still owe cartoons for. <laughs> oh. Uh, but I think uh, we'll call it here. Thank you so much again, David, for being on the show. Um, for those out there who uh, might be uh, creators keep creating, keep doing what you're doing thank you all for listening we'll talk to you guys next time